Father, we sometimes feel like we are all alone. We could be in a room full of people or even a house full of people, and sometimes we feel like we're all alone. Father, I pray that your spirit would encourage us to let us know we are not alone, that you are our refuge, you are our rock and our salvation. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us today, that it would be your spirit, Lord, that you would remove me and the sinful nature of my heart. And Lord, your spirit would speak to us today, comfort those who need comfort, convict those who need convicting, but letting all know that you are with us, you love us, and you will never leave us. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come under the authority of your word. Your word is the truth. It is the authority. I pray, Lord, that we would hear and we would respond to it. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said. awesome to hear the kids, right? Having a, great, having a great time. You know, one thing, whether you're a kid or whether you're even older, is probably all of us in some form or fashion like animals. Whether you go to the best zoo in the country, which is right here in our community and enjoy it, or whether you have even an animal in your home, a cat, a dog, or some other things. We love animals for lots of reasons. And sometimes animals can teach us things that we forget, teach us and remind us to, to live a certain way. And so I want to show you just a, a brief video, and, and I want to see what you can take from this as far as what animals can teach us. So let's go ahead and show that video.
Like, that's amazing, right? That's unbelievable. You see these animals, and they see other animals in trouble, and they help them. And the thing that, that, that at least I take away from that video is that these animals didn't quit. When they saw another animal that was suffering or another animal that couldn't help themselves or another animal that was on their back or drowning or something, these animals said, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to make sure I get this other animal to a place of safety. And that's the same thing that our text teaches us today. That if we want to be a game changer in life, we can't quit on other people. Because there are a lot of people, you know what, they're on their back and they just can't get up. There are a lot of people maybe who are drowning and they can't get out. There are a lot of people who need someone to pick them up and make sure that they're okay. So we're going to take a look as we continue to go through the Gospels and understanding how to be a game changer. We're in Mark's Gospel. We're in Mark chapter 2. But let's make sure we understand the context here. Remember, Jesus, after preaching at the synagogue, went over to Simon and Andrew's house and he healed Simon's mother. After that, he kind of went to a solitary place where he could pray. And then the next day, you know, Simon and Andrew came and they said, hey, everybody's been looking for you. And Jesus says, you know what, we need to go to the next town so that I can come and do what I've been called to do, which is to preach about the kingdom of God. And so now what's happening is it's a couple of days later and Jesus has come back to Capernaum. So we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 2, the first nine verses. If you've got your Bible, open them. If you've got it on your phone, bring it up. If not, it'll be on the screen. But let's get into the word of God together. Mark 2. A few days later... When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So imagine this scene. Jesus had gone away. After he had healed Simon's mom, he's praying in a solitary place. He's having quiet time. And then when Simon and Andrew come and say, look, everybody's looking for you, he says, it's time to go. And so he leaves Capernaum and he's preaching about the kingdom of God, the repentance of sins, to believe in him as the Messiah. And so now he comes back to town. So he left town, he comes back to town, and he comes to a house, more than likely probably Simon's house, and and it's packed. I mean, there's no more room in this house. And a fisherman's house would be very small. I mean, if we said 35 to 50 people could fit in it, that'd be, that'd be saying something. But the house was packed out. There's no room inside. In fact, there are people outside of the house. I mean, this is the gathering of all gatherings in the neighborhood. 
And so they're all there and Jesus is preaching to them. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And there's all kinds of people that are there, right? There's fishermen. There's true followers of who Christ is. There are people who are curious, kind of rubberneckers about who Christ is. Then there's religious elite and they're just skeptical about anything about Christ. But the good news is it seems that there's some who are there to separate the, the miracles from the Messiah. Is this guy just a miracle worker or is he truly the Messiah? And so Mark kind of lays out this scene of, of what is happening. And then, and then Mark introduces to us a paralytic, a paralyzed man. And from what we can tell, he was probably someone who lost all of his motor functions, couldn't walk, probably couldn't speak, probably couldn't use his arms, really had no control over his body at all. He was crippled, he was paralyzed, he was struggling, he was suffering. Things were not going well. He probably was like that turtle who was on his back and really couldn't do anything. He needed help. And so Mark tells us that he had four friends. He had four friends who weren't just going to comfort him in his difficulties, who weren't just going to feel sorry for him in his suffering, but he had friends who were going to take him places, and specifically they were going to take him to Jesus. Now, a couple of things we need to think about here. First, this man had to get to a place where he was tired of his circumstances. He was tired of always being unable to do anything. He was on a mat, and that mat really was like a little bed. So he was tired of just laying in his bed, not having the ability to get out and to do anything. He was frustrated. See, people won't change what they can tolerate. People will not change what they can tolerate. It was to a point, this man said, I can no longer tolerate my circumstances that I need to change. And I know that I need help for that change. And he had four friends who said, we're going to take you places. And we're going to take you to Jesus. See, we need friends who are going places. We don't need friends who are just going to comfort us in our suffering or comfort us in our misery. We need friends who would say, I'm going to take you somewhere. And I'm going to take you to Jesus. See, if we don't have friends that will take us to Jesus, we need to take a look at our friends. And if we are not the kind of friend that will take somebody who is clearly suffering and hurting and in pain and not take them to Jesus, then we have to ask ourselves, what kind of friend am I? And so these men are told that they're going to bring their friend to Jesus. They're going to bring their grown men. And so they, they get them on, the, on this mat. They get them on this, this bed and they take them to the, to the front door. And guess what? They can't get in because it's packed. Right. And so they probably would have said, well, hey, man, we tried. Right. We, we, we brought you from here to there. We tried, but there's nothing else we can do. They ran into an obstacle. And right. How many of us would say, hey, I tried to bring somebody I knew suffering to Jesus, but I ran into an obstacle. And so I just quit. Quitting is the easiest thing to do. It takes no effort to quit. These guys, they were trying to do the right thing. They were trying to bring their friend to Jesus. But they ran into an obstacle and they could have quit. Do you know what the biggest obstacle is in getting people that we know to come to Jesus? Do you know what the single biggest obstacle is? Us. We're the obstacle because we'll quit. We'll quit. We'll say, I tried to talk to them about Jesus, but they shut me down, so I'll never try again. I tried to get them to come to my life group, but they didn't come, so I quit. I tried to get them to come to church, but they didn't come, so I quit. If we want to be a game changer, we can't quit on trying to bring people to Jesus. These men ran into an obstacle. 
We're going to run into obstacles. This man who was crippled said, I'm not going to quit. I'm still going to try to find a way to get to Jesus. He could have quit. He could have said, I quit. This is easy. He was lying there in his bed. And one thing we know about beds is they're comfortable. I know y'all struggle to get out of bed this morning, just like me. I know every kid struggles to get out of bed to go to school. Beds are comfortable. Oh, they feel so easy. Oh, I love it. I don't want to change. I just want to stay in bed. That's how sometimes people get with their life. Well, this is comfortable. I know I'm suffering, but I'm comfortable with suffering. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I don't want to change. I'm comfortable right where I'm at. This man said, I'm tired of being comfortable because my comfort, I'm going nowhere in my comfort. I'll need to get to Jesus. And he says, I'm not going to quit until I get to Jesus. He had friends, thankfully, that said, we're not going to quit until we get you to Jesus. So they come up to this obstacle and it's not there. And instead of quitting, they said, we got to find another way. And these houses, they were connected, okay? And they had flat roofs. And some of them had stairs on the side, but some of them didn't. So either these guys had to climb a house or these guys had to navigate the stairs. Now, I want you to picture this scene in your mind. There's a grown man on a mattress. And four guys are trying to get him up the stairs. I can't even get a mattress upstairs, let alone put a grown man on it. And so they have to go up the stairs. They had to say, we're not going to quit. We're not going to quit. We're going to get our friend to Jesus. And the, man, and the paralytic had to say, I, I'm not going to quit. Because remember, he's on a mattress. If he falls off, he can't break his fall. They may have had to strap him to the mattress just to get him up. But the paralytic and his four friends had to get to a moment where they said, there's no going back now. There's no going back. They had to get to a place that we're not going back to being paralyzed. We're not going back to just lying in the bed and being comfortable. I'm not going back to the way it was because I'm going to get to Jesus. See, we got to get to that point. We got to get to the point where we say, I'm not going back to living a life of fear. I'm not going back to being paralyzed by my past. I'm going to get to Jesus and there's no going back and I'm not quitting. And we got to be that way for our friends. We got at some point say, I am not going to let my friend go back to living the way they were, their comfortable life where they don't know the hope of Jesus. I don't care what it takes, but I'm going to get them there. Game changers don't quit. Game changers don't quit in trying to get to Jesus. Game changers don't quit in trying to get people to Jesus. That's what these men are showing us. They wouldn't quit. Now they came over one obstacle and you think, all right, great, but they came into another. They get up and there's the roof. And it would, it would have been branches and it would have been straw and it would have been kind of muck and mire to, to form kind of, kind of this roof and kind of these, these panels. So what were they going to do? They have another problem. They got some muck and some mire. They got to get through if they're going to get their friend to Jesus. And it says they started digging a hole through the roof. They used their bare hands. They didn't run to Home Depot or Lowe's. They didn't get a permit. They said, we're just going to rip the roof off this thing. Man, to have those kind of friends, to be the kind of friend that says, I'm going to rip the roof off to get you to Jesus. Are you that kind of friend that says, I'm going to rip the roof off because I want to get my friend to Jesus? Do you have the kind of friends that are willing to rip the roof off to get you to Jesus? And so these guys, they dig through and they get through the muck and the mire. You know what the muck and the mire is for a lot of people? It's unbelief. It's hurt. It's pain. They had a bad experience with church. They had a bad experience in life. But sometimes if you're really going to be that game-changing friend, you got to get in the muck and the mire of people's lives. 
And, and you got to get messy and you got to get dirty. And the thing is, we all have muck and mire in our life. We're all a mess. And we need the kind of friends that said, I'm going to get through your stuff because I want to get you to Jesus. And we got to be willing to let friends do that for us. This man had to swallow his pride and his ego and say, I need help to get to Jesus because I can't get there on my own. See, there's a difference between getting to church and getting to Jesus. A lot of people can get to church, but can you get to Jesus? And sometimes you need help. You need help to get to Jesus. And you need friends that are saying, I'm going to take you places. And so the friends, they, they get the whole, and they start to lower Jesus down. And, and the paralytic, he's got to have a whole lot of faith because he's getting lowered down. Imagine if you look up, all of a sudden, in the middle of our service, we see some guy getting lowered down on a mattress. Imagine that. And the closer that he got to Jesus, the further he got away from his friends. See, we've got to get people to Jesus, but then we've got to give people to Jesus. And that's the hard part. And if you're a parent, or if you're a grandparent, or if you've got a sibling, you may say, hey, I'm going to get them to Jesus, but then you've got to give them to Jesus. And that's the harder part. Because you know what? We can't change somebody's heart. The church can't change somebody's heart. Religion can't change somebody's heart. Only Jesus can change somebody's heart. So we got to get them to Jesus, but then we got to give them to Jesus. Man, that's hard. But their friends were like, we're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to give you to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that Jesus' game-changing love and game-changing authority can heal you, can change you, can save you. And whatever we got to do, we're going to get you there. And we don't care what happens to us. You know, we just put a hole in somebody's roof. But we don't care about that because we'll do anything for our friends. All of us have friends in our life that, that sometimes are closer to us than family. And we'll do anything for them, anything. But are we willing to do anything to get them and give them to Jesus? That's the game changer. That's the game changer right there. So they lower him down. And can you imagine the debris falling down? And there's all these people in the house. All of a sudden they look up and they're like, what in the world? What is this man doing? And he comes down and Jesus looks and it says, and I want you to hear this. Hear this text. Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, Jesus is talking about the four friends. He's talking about the four friends. He saw their faith. So what does that teach us? Our faith impacts people. Jesus saw that these guys were game changers, that they were willing to overcome any obstacle. They were willing to cut a hole in the roof just to get their friend to Jesus. They had to have faith. Actions speak louder than words. That's what it is. It doesn't matter what people say. People remember what you do. And people will remember that these guys cut a hole in a roof to get their friend to Jesus. That is a game-changing moment. Not just for the paralytic, but how about everybody who was gathered there? They're like, man, these guys are for real. I mean, they just cut a hole in a roof. That is real faith. See, they just didn't give lip service to their friend and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I mean... I feel bad that you're paralyzed. Man, I'm so sorry. They just didn't give lip service. They gave leg service. We're going to put our faith in Christ in action. And we're going to do whatever it has. It's great and we need to pray for each other, but that can't be where it ends. See, a game changer says, I will pray and then I'm going to take you to Jesus. And I'm going to give you to Jesus. And I'm going to rip the roof off for you so you can get to Jesus. Because I know who Jesus is. So Jesus saw their faith. And I believe it also includes the paralytic. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now understand this. It wasn't like this guy was young. The term son was a term of endearment. So Jesus was saying, I'm already accepting you. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And see, what, what these men knew was that spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us when any one of us is suffering and anybody we know is suffering. Okay, we, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute with us because physical healing is the immediate. Physical healing, as much as we don't like to admit this, is short-term. Spiritual healing is long-term and it's eternal. So do you want to be healed for the moment or do you want to be healed for eternity? These men value the eternal healing that Christ can bring. They didn't live for the moment. They lived for eternity. And they said, we know that, yes, Jesus may heal them, but eventually he will die like all of us will die. But if we can get him to Jesus, he will be changed eternally. And that's the long game that they were playing. So Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. That's the game-changing moment. Being forgiven of your sins. Because that's an illness that doesn't go away. There's only one way to be healed from your sins. And that is accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. See, that's the game-changing moment that we've got to kind of try to get our friends to. Our goal at this church is to connect people to the transforming and redeeming love of Jesus. It's not to say to connect them to our church so we just keep getting bigger and bigger. That's not our goal. Our goal is to connect people to Jesus because Jesus transforms and Jesus redeems people. And these guys knew that. They knew that. But there would be those who would doubt. It says in here that the religious elite, they had some concerns. You know, Christianity and those who believe in Christ and follow Christ has always been doubted, will always be doubted, has always been mocked and will always be mocked. You may have read some things this week, I guess the Emmys were this past week, and many people just mocked Christianity and even mocked Jesus. It will always be that way. But we know the truth. And so did Jesus. Jesus knew that they had doubts. Jesus looked at them. He says, why are you thinking these things? Why are you doubting I am who I said I am? Jesus was always honest with who he was, and there were people that were, that were doubting. And so when this man comes lower down and Jesus says, your sons are forgiven, the religious people say, well, I don't know. I don't know. See, they were more caught up not in who, not what Jesus was doing with healings. They were caught up in who he was. He was saying that he was the son of God. When he said, your sins are forgiving, Jesus was saying, I am equal with God. And either Jesus is who he said he is, or he's a madman. Because you can't have, have it both ways. Either Jesus is the Son of God and can forgive our sins, or he was a crazy man who perpetrated the greatest fraud the world has ever known. We have to decide. So how do we know if we truly accept Jesus and his authority? I want to give you three things here to think about. Number one, do you care more about what people, family, and friends think than what Jesus commands? Do you care what other people think or do you say, I know what Jesus says and I'm going to do it? Number two, will you dig through, or number two, we don't fight through obstacles that come to bring others to Jesus. Do we quit? Do we quit when it comes to us getting to Jesus? Do we quit when it comes to getting other people to Jesus because there's obstacles, because it's hard, because it's inconvenient? 
And number three, when we think that we're the authority in our life, when we can justify why we quit, well, I, you know, I'm not, I shouldn't be expected to do that. That's an obstacle. Well, that's hard. That's difficult. When we become the own authority of our life, we miss it. So Jesus then says, you know, you guys are thinking this thing. Jesus, and I, I wish I, I would have loved to have been there in this moment. Jesus says, hey guys, what's easier? For me to forgive his sins or to tell him to walk? Because I'll be here all week and I can do whatever you want. I love that moment that Jesus says, what do I need to do to show you who I am? Do I need to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And Jesus says, so that you may know why. And Jesus says, get up and go. Get up. He says, take your mat, get up and go. You know, in that theme of Jesus saying, get up and go, we see that in the Great Commission. When Jesus says, go and make disciples. Game changers, get up and go. Game changers don't let obstacles keep them from getting to Jesus or bringing their friends to Jesus. We all want to be a game changer. You know, those, those animals, they were amazing, right? They didn't quit. You had a chimp and you had a bird. What do those two have in common? Nothing, except the chimp said, I don't want you to suffer. We have turtles that maybe they're alike, but one says, I just can't help myself. I'm on my back. And the other one says, I don't care. I'm going to try to get you up. And then how about a dog bringing in a deer? Say, you're drowning. That dog could have said, that's not my problem. But the dog says, I'm going to go into the water, into the muck and into the mire, and I'm going to drag you back. What a game-changing moment that was for all of those animals. That's what we're called to do. Don't quit. And look, I know it's, 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 it's hard not to quit. You know, we all have our weeks. We all have our days where you just say, man, I just, I want to quit. This is too hard. Or I'm not seeing any results from any of the work that I'm doing. I'm trying to do the right thing, and man, nothing's going right. I get it. Trust me, there are times I just want to quit. But you can't quit. Don't quit trying to get to Jesus. Don't let obstacles keep you from Jesus. Don't let, let difficulties keep you from Jesus. And maybe you've been praying for somebody. Maybe you've been trying to share with somebody. And maybe they just keep saying, man, I don't want to hear nothing about this Jesus. Don't quit on them. Don't quit on people. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody that, that lives in your neighborhood. Maybe it's somebody that plays on your team. Don't quit on people. Because you know what? Somebody didn't quit on you. Somebody didn't quit on you before you came to know Jesus. And because they were a game changer in your life, we can't quit on getting to Jesus. We can't quit on bringing people to Jesus. I want to be like those, those animals. I want to be a game changer in somebody's life, but the only way that happens is if I don't quit. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're like, I'm just going to quit. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Too many obstacles. And what I'm telling you is don't quit. God's going to use it. Don't quit trying to get to Jesus. Don't quit trying to bring somebody to Jesus. I know it's hard, but don't quit. Because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. We had that verse. Uh, my wife puts Bible verses on the mirror for the kids. So when they go in to get ready for the day, they see a verse. And that verse that she put up this week, that was more for me, I think. She said, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. I want to ask our worship team to come back up. And I want to leave you with three things. And don't quit on these questions. Don't quit talking about these questions. 
They're meant to be hard. Number one, are you crowding people out for getting to Jesus because you're too busy? Remember, everybody was in the house and outside the house and they couldn't get. Sometimes we forget people are trying to get to Jesus. But if we're so busy, we may miss it. Don't try to block people. Number two, will you dig through the muck and the mire to bring people to Jesus? Are you willing to get dirty? Are you willing to get scraped up? Because, man, you want to bring people to Jesus. And number three, does your life show a get up and go for Jesus or are you seeking comfort? Look, I know a lot of people after church today are going to go home and get right back in that bed. I may be one. Or you may get right on that couch. Get back to that comfortable spot. That's okay to do after church, but don't get there in life. Don't just say, I'm going back to my comfort place. Say, I want to go to Jesus. Surround yourself with people who want to get you to Jesus and watch God work. Amen?